Gold is back above 1500 The Fed meets next week. Rate cut? No rate cut. WeWork and the parallels to the junior mining space will dig into that. Troops are being sent to Syria to protect the people? No, to protect the oil. Congratulations, America. The federal deficit has hit its highest mark in seven years. But everything is awesome, right? We're going to talk fucking priest. We're going to talk good priest. We're going to talk good cops. We're going to talk bad cops. And I'm going to share my story. I thought I accidentally joined Tinder. You'll get a kick out of this one, Nick. This is Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode, is this 41, Mr. Hodge? Oh my goodness, it's almost a year. I can't believe it. Episode 41 of Bizarro World. How are you, Nick? I'm doing very well, Gerardo. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Everybody knows we record this on a Friday. It's been a busy week for the both of us. Um, Conference season is here. You are on your way to San Francisco, and then we are on our way to New Orleans. If anyone is out there, stop by and say hello. A lot to get to, so let's get to it. Gold is back back above 1500 and despite my calls for it to continue lower, it's been pretty resilient. Um, There's a lot going on globally, obviously. Um, We're going to get into the global protests. We're going to get into Brexit and how the people's vote really doesn't matter anymore, apparently, which is a large reason why people are protesting around the world. Um, But man, gold has been incredibly resilient. 1500 looks like it's the new floor. The juniors could care less. The majors and some of the producing mid-tiers have largely been the beneficiaries of this price move, of course, because they have leverage to the price of gold as opposed to the explorers, which only have a pipe dream most times, right? So let's talk about it. Any, any, Any thoughts, Nick? Gosh, gold is really strong, you know. We've been talking about it a lot lately, and we've we've felt some weakness. I think you called it the most bearish bull market ever, right? And 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 that's attributable to I think the junior equities that you and I tend to primarily follow. Some of those have been well. Let's face it; they've been incredibly weak. But if you sort of um, don't look at the individual trees and you zoom back a little bit and you look at gosh, a whole cadre of things. If you look at gold in Canadian dollars, which is like a 2000 Canadian dollars, or if you look at it in Australian dollars or British pounds or Mexican peso, gold is extremely strong and has been setting records. And then if you look at some of the companies that benefit from that because they're actually producing, so their costs are at one level and the price of the product they're selling has been incredibly strong, you've seen very good stock performance companies like um, Agnico Eagle, who had good earnings this week, or the Sabanis of the world and the Anglo Gold Ashantis that are up some 100 to 150% um, over the past 12 months. But then you look at um, some of the some of the companies that we follow and have mentioned, and these are quality names. These aren't, you know, by any means bad management teams or bad share structures or bad jurisdictions. I'm talking about the the development stories that are on the verge of permitting the Almadins and the, and the Midas Golds of the world. They're at um, very weak states in the case of Midas, a 52 week low. And so there's just been a giant disconnect between uh, what's positive and what's working in the gold space and what's not working yet. And I think yet is a very important word there because mm. as I sit through, as I sift through the data and it doesn't re- feel really good to 
Um, you know, last week we talked about Milrock. Well, I've written checks for Milrock at 30 cents and I've got, and I also wrote a check for Milrock at seven cents. Don't get me wrong, but I've got people in the industry emailing me, Hey, are you still involved in Milrock? It's done very good. Did you see the chart this week? It's up to 15 cents. And I just think it's, to myself, it's doubled in a week. It's doubled in a week and a half off of largely, well, not largely exclusively off what we told you would happen. They've, we told you this months ago. We told you this massive land package in Alaska was a district-scale play that would attract the attention, attention of somebody that would invest large sums of money to develop this because it could become a gold mining camp and nobody cared at six cents or seven cents. You were intelligent enough to write a check. You were also smart enough to offer it to, to, to your subscribers. Um, and they're up over 100%. And that came with a full warrant. That's correct. But then you pull the chart back and you see where Midas was uh, a My, year Milrock. ago. Milrock. I'm oh, sorry, right. Milrock, where Milrock was a year ago. And it doesn't feel so good that, um, you know, I wrote a check at 30 cents because it still needs to double to get there. And that's sort of the disconnect I'm describing. It's not that I don't think Milrock will get there. I think it's just a bit, um, well, a couple of things. It's a bit early for self-congratulations, I think. Um and the things that need to play out for these quality juniors and developers um, to rise haven't yet. And we can talk about that if you want. The things that are circling around in my mind are the very real need for, for majors to replenish reserves. So those companies that have quality resources are going to have to um, get bought up. And then um, just the other consolidation in the space that has to happen because of the not so good things that we talk about, the excessive compensation and, um, you know, uh, high <laughs> high cost of operation and the not so great share structures and the high GNA costs. You know, some of that has to go bye bye, and there has to be some consolidation and uh, and uh, quite frankly, a purging of the not so good companies. So um, you can convince institutions and 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 M and A players to come in, right? And that's some of the stuff that needs to happen for the for the juniors to go up. And and now I'll shut my mouth. I read your most recent uh, edition of Early Advantage this week, which is, of course, one of the premium newsletter services that that you manage and direct and write and oversee. Um, and 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 you talked about the animals in the space. Do you want to do you want to touch on that a little bit? I thought it was very well written, well thought out. I thought it was as factual um, because of math and facts as it could possibly be. And I think it's an example of why people are hesitant to speculate in the space because of things like that. Um, you want, you, would you like me to provide an overview? Uh, yeah, you can provide an overview and, and, and I can give some details. And it's funny that you think it's well thought out because, you know, I start those at about after I have my coffee on Thursday morning and I'm done by lunch. So it's very, very much stream of conscience. I'm glad it comes across as well thought out. <laughs> That's actually uh, usually where, where, where some of the best writing is done, right? Oh, I think so too, because it's well, you know, top of mind what what I'm thinking and, and and oftentimes what I'm feeling and and what I'm seeing from other others in the space as well. And so, yeah, if you want to provide an overview, and I can I can fill in the holes if you'd like. Let's do it. There's a company called Barian Mining. I am familiar with some of the principles of that company. I am invested in other companies where. Uh, the, 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 the management has been involved in, and, and there are people in that company that we are friendly to and with, however, facts are facts. This is a group 
um, that's been promoting a property um, that was just being promoted last year. Now, this happens, and there is nothing wrong. I'll give you my two cents. There's nothing wrong with seeing potential in a property and, and, and hypothesizing that the other geologists that drilled it despite how, regardless of how much success they've had, um, just miss something or that you have a fresh approach that could yield something. That's a valid approach. Nothing wrong with that. Um, so I, I, I like management companies that promote their story. I like management companies that take a fresh approach to things. It's exploration. Nothing wrong with that. Um, I take big issue as do you, and I'll let you go ahead and talk about it here in just a second. When a company is set up, we were taught that share structure tells you a lot about what the intent of the company is, right? You have companies that are set up to explore and make a discovery. You have companies that are set up to develop an asset. And then you have companies that are just set up to make the founders of the company rich. And in this case, without putting words in their mouth, the actions and the share structure of this company scream, all we want to do is flip our cheap paper. And I'll let you tell people just how cheap the paper they allocated themselves was. Well, and in the case of this company, Barian, as well, it's not like um, the founders have uh, deep geologic experience or are geologists. Um, my take is that they come more from the family money, family office, IR side of the business and have seen how um, getting cheap paper can make you very wealthy uh, very quickly. And so it's not my belief. And again, don't want to put words in the company's mouth. They can come on here and talk to us about it if they want. But, um, you know, I think they acquired this Bolo property simply as a, a promote. And then some of the promotions I've seen from the company, the things that they paid for to be written, et cetera, um, you know, just further underscore that belief in my mind. And then so you know, so that's the first negative against them, right? That was like the first thing I saw. I see this promotion come across my desk about the number one gold stock you have to own. And so I click it and, and it's about <laughs> this Bolo property. And I'm like, hey, wait, I know the Bolo property because I financed, helped finance Allegiant Gold last year to drill this Bolo property. And surprise, surprise, um, you know, essentially dusters. Um, and that was with a geologist named Andy Wallace, who is very successful, uh, specifically in Nevada, where this property is and has identified um, several economic deposits that have gone on to be mines. And so Allegiant drilled it last year under his uh, leadership and guidance, came up dry. And so I'm just scratching my head when I see this, like, come on, you got to be kidding me. This is the number one asset I have to own, the one where Allegiant Gold <laughs> just went from 40 cents to eight cents on or whatever is their flagship. And we're and we're quick to option it out to this company that is now Barry and Gold. And then, so I start my digging. Right. And the thing that really got me was the share structure. As you said, I go to the um, original prospectus from when the deal was put together and I see who paid what for, for their shares. And lo and behold, the founders gave themselves 4 million shares at a 10th of a penny. That's 0 0.001, um, dollars, right? Um, it's not even one penny per share. And so they paid $4,000 for 4 million shares. And if you look at the outstanding shares now, um, that's like 9% of the company. And so they paid $4,000 for 9% of the company. And that really, as you indicated, tells you all you need to know about their purposes, right? I mean, it's, um, you know, it's a house of cards built on sand. There's no strong hands there. There's only 
in my mind, at least, you know, incentive to, to come off your cheap paper. And you sort of saw that this week, right? They did the whole charade. They did the whole haunt the stock to put out drill results that were supposed to be flashy and a, and a new discovery that wasn't really a new discovery. It was just an extension of holes that um, Allegiant had, had drilled just a zone below them. And, and, and I think they thought the stock was going to go up when they did that. But in fact, the stock traded over 2 million shares and went down. Um, by like a nickel, and and that's attributable in my mind to that to that share structure. And so just and think let, about that. And let first. me cut in really quick and ask you a question. Sure. This is important, right? At what price point ballpark it did those couple of million shares trade? Oh, it's a twenty cents. So you multiply one tenth of a penny. <laughs> do the math, right? If you're able to get your shares off, and I'm not saying they did this, I would hope they did not. Whether those shares are registered or not, you know, we can have a conversation. I'm happy to have it on air with them. Um, you know, open, open, open mic, open door policy. Um, we're accountable the way we expect everybody else to be accountable, and, and and nobody's perfect here. But you know, I would hope that whether those shares are reported or not, or registered or in 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 the company principal's names, that they didn't sell into the promotion and into those results at twenty cents. But they're already up twenty thousand percent. And that's, and that's the problem. Whether or not they did, the appearance, the appearance of impropriety is hard to argue against when almost 10% of the outstanding shares of the company were allocated to yourselves at one-tenth of a penny. There, we know this is a high-risk, high-reward sector. Um, we know founders take an extra risk. Um, we understand that they went and got this asset. But it has to be somewhat proportionate. The risk taking that you're asking the people that wrote a check at higher prices, real prices, has to be somewhat in line with the risk that you're taking. Shouldn't it be? Oh, 100%. I mean, the next raise was done at 20,000%. Right, exactly right. And so, you know, what the appearances are for sure. And it's it's not a one-off thing. So uh, Mr. Sally is also a founder of a company called Defense Metals Corp. And I went peeking around their filings as well. And surprise, surprise, um, he got uh, 3 million shares issued in that company at the same exact price, 0.001 cent. And so look at the chart of that company and see how it's been going as well. And again, I, you know, I, I don't know Max personally. We've been on site visits together, uh, shareholder of a company he was involved with, Advantage Lithium. Um, which has had some share structure problems of its own, an amazing asset with a net present value of approximately, and this is a pre-feasibility study act, uh, asset, uh, level stage asset. I believe it's like $675 million US um, after Correct. tax, and yet has a market cap somewhere in the 32, 33 million Canadian range. So again, this is not a one-off. So Max, when we say your name and you know, cite your company, you're more than welcome to come on to the show and talk to us about you know, why, why, why it was structured that way and the risk that you took in order to make that happen. And please enlighten us if we're absolutely way off on this thing. But I don't think anybody, including Max, could argue that it doesn't look good. It does not look good. And I'll speak to advantage even for a second as a shareholder and someone who supported that company as well. Um, I was not a supporter of that company when it was put together specifically because of the deal structure. And if you put on your your hat and your your time transport hat and go back three years, we had this lithium mania thing going on. And um, 
um, Advantage ended up securing the asset that you speak of, Calchari, and uh, became a JV partner with um, one of the few lithium producers in the world, Cobre. And to me, that signified their ability to, to make deals and get things done, which was what brought me into that deal because A, the stock was running, B, there was a bunch of people trying to get that asset. I remember this very well because I had financed a couple of them. Um, and uh, Advantage emerged victorious. But but look here now, two and a half or three years later, where the stock is coming. Granted, um, the entire lithium space has been soft. The lithium carbonate price has come off. Um, all the producers are down, the Albemarles, the SQMs, uh, the Oracobres. Um, but you have to think that an advantage certainly has come off at 22 cents. You have to think that a bit more sound structure going, a sound share, sound share structure going back to 2016 would have helped them, um, you know, be a bit more buoyant in these tough times, which is what a good share structure helps you do, right? Because now they're, they're scrambling to raise money. They're at the, they're at the PFS stage. Um, they're going to have to go seek project finance soon. Um, the jurisdiction has dealt them blows with Argentinian elections this Sunday, in fact, on the 27th. And so, I don't know, I'm just rambling, but if you if you had a bit more sound share structure from inception, you might be able to, you know, pick your cliche, weather this storm a bit better. Is WeWork the junior mining space? Oh, that's a perfect relation. I'm glad you you brought that up. So yeah, I mean, just, <laughs> a very just, smart gentleman mentioned that to me earlier. <laughs> just just think about it, right? You have, His name is Nick Hodge. <laughs> you have you have Adam Newman this week, right? Who just lit ten billion dollars of SoftBank's money on fire, and SoftBank paid him one point seven or one point five billion dollars for the privilege, right? Just to go away. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's this kind of largesse, and it's this kind of executive compensation, mm. and it's this, and they're going to lay off hundreds of workers, right? While the CEO gets to walk away scot-free. And it's like, it's the same thing. It's just like a mining executive giving the mining executives giving themselves 4 million shares at a 10th of a penny. And then, and then, you know, either dumping that paper or not doing much to facilitate true, you know, growth and development of their company. And it's why people have disdain for, for people like Adam Newman. And it's why people have disdain for certain people in the, in the junior mining sector. Um, and then if you want me to take that, that comparison even a step further, um, you have this situation in Silicon Valley where everybody wants to get out, right? The IPOs aren't doing it anymore because none of these, prof none of these companies are profitable. Spotify's not profitable, Uber's not profitable, Peloton's not profitable, right? And so all Peloton. the <laughs> Yeah, Peloton. exactly right. <laughs> All the value gets gobbled up early by the people who who finance it privately and then who dump their shares on the the retail market in the IPO. And this was proven with with WeWork, with um, Goldman Sachs was like dumping their private positions while they were consulting with WeWork to go public. Right. And so it's the same thing in junior mining, just on a much smaller scale. And that's what gives people a, a really bad taste. So let me ask you this, when we get the gold mania, and it's coming, it's absolutely coming. It might take $1,600 gold, but it's coming. Once people start seeing the triple digit pops on a consistent basis throughout the sector, um, large capitals of, of, of cap large pools of capital are going to flow into the sector. Will it all be forgotten? Yes. And that's what pisses me off. Agreed. And the reason we know it'll all be forgotten is because we forget as a society in general, 
we forget so quickly. Um, just today it was announced that the U.S. deficit hit $984 billion in 2019. So you want to return on investment. That's a 26% increase in the past year. Let me repeat that. The deficit grew in the past year 26% while we were passing tax cuts. Hey, thank you for my tax cuts. Still had a big tax bill. Would have been a lot bigger. Um, I dare say that it was ill-advised. I recall, and, and you know what? Where, where are the Tea Party people? Where, where is the group that was out there just, you know, railing against the Obama administration? And I have a lot of gripes with the Obama administration. But where is that group? Um, in 2011, <laughs> the, there, were, there were measures passed in the Congress to reduce the deficit. Um, you know, there were protests everywhere. What happened to all that? Does it not matter when your party is in there? And I'm not asking you, Nick, because I know you kind of lean the way that I lean, more libertarian. I'm asking the public. I'm asking the people that voted in Mr. Trump to drain the swamp. Does it just not matter as long as you get your tax cut and asset appreciation and the stock market keeps you wealthy and rich? Because that's what's happened. This is why people are protesting in Hong Kong, in Chile, in Peru, in, you know, Lebanon, Haiti, you name it, you France. pick a corner of the world, yeah. Haiti, France, Brazil, you name it. This is why people are pissed off, everybody. It's because it's so gross. It's so nasty. The inequality is so nasty out there. It's impossible almost for somebody that's starting with less than zero to get a fair shake in this country and, and, and more and more around the world. And it's not sustainable and again, you know, just like we get the presidents we deserve and the criminals we deserve because of how we act and, and our awareness, you know, we're, we're, we're getting the protests we deserve right now as, 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 a, as a world, as a society. Yeah, That's I don't all. have yeah. I don't have a lot to add there. That was, excuse me, smart and well said, um, you know, and, and then there's some people that and I just want to make a distinction, you know, have come into wealth and have built companies. Um, really through hard work and dedication and things. And then there's people who are um, born into it or sleaze their way into it or um, use the system or holes in the system to get it at the expense of the taxpayer or who have, um, in the case of like the Facebooks of the world, in a very real way made people their product to the detriment of the people. And it's something that has to go said, right? Um, I was watching a presentation about it this week and how the, the social media companies control us. We're always taking out our phone to, to check the status or whatever and how that not only, you know, has degraded our privacy, but in, in some ways has has affected our our freedom. And so when you become the product for someone who uh, like Mr. Zuckerberg, um, then the animosity just rises. Right. And did he get his ass handed to him by AOC? Listen, and Ms. Some AOC and some Republican and, lawmakers. Absolutely. As well. No, no, it was really good stuff. He got it from both sides. <laughs> it was good stuff. And, and pornography and stuff. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was very well done. And for all the stuff that I disagree with Miss AOC about, um, I, I consistently hear the argument that she's dumb and not educated and, you know, whatever, whatever. She is far far from dumb because the line of questioning consistently on multiple issues 
for, you know, a freshman representative is, is impressive to say the least. And, you know, I hope some of the things that I disagree with her on, she's able to come around uh, on because I think that she, she can be an effective congressperson for us. I'll, I'll, I'll leave with one more thing uh, about my rant about, you know, it only matters when it's your party that, that is in, 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 in power, right? And I wanted to fact check it before I said it because I remembered it, but no, it's true. In 2011, the GOP-controlled House of Representatives was so angry about spending that they pushed to pass a constitutional amendment that would require balanced budgets. Do you remember that, Nick? I vaguely remember it, yes. Yeah, they, they, they were willing. This is the one thing, right, that they were willing to make an exception for on the Constitution, right? Let's, let's go ahead and pass an amendment. We have to do it. Um, to require balanced budgets because, of course, President Obama was in office. And so, again, I asked the question. And, 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 and it's, you know, your response as a person, whoever you are out there, whatever your political leanings tend to be, have an honest response. You know, you can say, yeah, it only matters when, when, when my party's in office or it only matters when the opposition party is in office. But uh, you got to ask yourself what kind of human being you are. If that's indeed the case, you know, is it about ideas or is it about party affiliation? And the truth is, unless you're wealthy in this world, um, they're not representing you anyway, regardless of what party you're in. And it speaks also just to the lies of politicians, right? Because, I mean, wasn't it Trump himself who said he could, like, you know, take care of the deficit in eight months or something? It was very easy to do. And so if you believe these guys, then, you know, shame on you as well. Hey, that leads me to my next issue that I want to rant about. We're sending, we're going to station some additional forces to eastern Syria to protect the people. Oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't, oops, it wasn't the people. It's protecting the oil fields, of course. Oh, man. Nick, well, I'll let I, you go off on this one. I, I, look, I'm fucking, I'm done with it. I'm I just got I'm I'm just gonna read you Sturgill Simpson lyrics because I've been Do slipping it. in I've been slipping in a few for the past couple of weeks. And so, you know, this is Sturgill Simpson from his last album, A Sailor's Guide to Earth. And it's uh the song is called uh Call to Arms and it starts off mm-hmm. he was in the Navy. I've done um I've done Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, and Iran, North Korea. Tell me where does it end? Well the bodies keep piling up every day. How many more of them are they gonna send? Well, they send their sons and daughters off to die for some oil to control the heroin. Well, son, I hope you don't grow up believing that you've got to be a puppet to be a man. And so it's, you know, different country, different flavor, protecting the oil, Iraq, mushroom clouds, smoking guns, Saddam Hussein. You know, it's nothing changes, right? Protect that oil. And it's not just here. Look at look at Brexit. What the fuck are we arguing about Brexit? They voted on this twice. The people told you what they want. They want the people told the- you what they want. Even the EU, I think, and the, God, it's such a clusterfuck. It's hard to it's hard <laughs> it's to follow. Insane. But the EU this week said, "Fine, go." And then the UK was like, "Nah, we're not going to vote on it." Right? Is that what happened? That's basically what happened. They're basically saying again, "We're go- we fuck your vote." Oh, we're going to vote again. Oh shit, you still want to leave? Fuck your vote again. Yeah. Let's see how we can maneuver this to make it to where we get the result that we want. I watched. And I encourage everyone to watch this. It's two and a half hours. It's long, but it's important, I think. I watched Edwards, Edward Snowden on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he gets into a lot of the isms of how politicians are able to deflect criminal culpability um, through classifications and designations about sensitive material 
and he talks about the Patriot Act and, and you know, the Patriot Act too. And, and, and he talks about both parties. He talks about Dick Cheney. He talks about Nancy Pelosi. He talks about the way that all of that was orchestrated. And, and he makes it a point that they're so vulgar, right? For everybody that claims to really uphold the Constitution and you know, the party of law and order and all that shit. They're so vulgar and dismissive of the populace and the citizenry that they don't worry about breaking the law. They'll break it and then they'll just change it later to make it to where what they did was legal. And it was really, really, really insightful. It's stuff that at your core, if you pay attention with, to, to, to politics and societal trends and the way things are working out and the inequality around the world and you know surveillance and all that, if you pay a, even a little bit of attention, at your core, at your core, you know, you have a hint of it. You have the feeling, even if you can't articulate it. He did a heck of a job of articulating it because, of course, you know, he, he, he was a CIA asset. He was one of the people that, that, that had access to every word that you've ever typed into a Google search box. Um, it was a fascinating discussion. I'll put a link up. I encourage everybody to, you know, take a bath, do some Epsom salt, and uh, re- just listen for a little bit. Uh, break it up into multiple days. Fascinating discussion. You know, uh, I've often railed against the the way the media and the government work together as far as sourcing and redacting and a government official that Mm. um, a redacted line, this, that's sensitive information, you can't see it. It's like, come on, man, whose government is it? And then they'll tell you it's national security. Well, national security for what? To go protect the oil? It's like the ruse is up, man. Like you said, light the fucking match. I can't wait. Agreed. Agreed. I'm going to lighten it up a little bit more <laughs> because it's been so light. I thought I accidentally joined Tinder this week, Nick. Mm, go on. So I signed up for something. <laughs> now get this email back, right? And so I'm going to read it, but I'm going to redact in the spirit of redaction since you you mentioned it. The the organization that 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 that, that I contributed to, but this is the letter that I got back. Dear Gerardo, I feel so lucky to get to be the person to thank you for your contribution and curiosity on behalf of a world of people seeking free knowledge. What shape does your curiosity take and how does this organization fit? I was like, Ooh, (laughs) letter continues. I used to try and guess what motivated you to give. What special spark exists in your mind, connecting you to a global community representing every pursuit and personal history, united by a commitment to keeping said organization going? I was like, whoa, what did I sign up for? (laughs) The longer I do this work, the more I realize I can't put your curiosity in a box. At this point, I like adjusted myself in my seat. I went and got some water real quick. There is no one singular experience of this organization. Curiosity is as diverse as we all are, and it looks a little different for each of us. So by then, like she had me, right? Says, when you use blank organization, I hope you feel even more deeply that it belongs to you. Because without you and without the love and support of billions of people who come back to us every day, we would be nothing. Thank you for giving blank organization shape and purpose and momentum thank you for fitting us into your life 
with immense gratitude, Catherine. So it sounds like Wikipedia to me, but I, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's exactly, was it just me that read that as like the best thank you for your donation letter ever? I mean, it was. A, it was, a, it was <laughs> I thought I signed up for Tinder, Nick. I'm not going to lie. It was incredibly well written. It spoke to my curiosity. It talked about my motivation. She was curious about the special spark existing in my mind. I mean, I'm glad you got it on the first guess because I was questioning what I clicked on for. Well, clearly, clearly you can't keep your curiosity in a box. Hopefully you can keep other things inside. <laughs> Nick, curiosity is as diverse as we all are. <laughs> I thought it was the greatest thank you for your donation letter ever. And I thought it would lighten the mood a little bit. Um, let's, uh, let's take it back to not lightening the mood up a little bit. Let's talk about fucking priests, good priests, being like good cops. I mean, I can't even know where to start to begin on some of this stuff. So, you know, the article out this week was an investigator finds 43 Catholic priests in Colorado had sexually abused um, at least 166 kids, right? And so the first question to your mind is, when the fuck is this going to end, right? And how can anybody have any faith or credibility in the Catholic Church um, and then you go on to read the details of the article and some of the analysis that goes on with it. And one of these priests abused 63 kids over the course of 21 years. And the Denver Archdiocese moved him around six times so he could, you know, they move him around to, to get away from the congregation where he's raping the kids, right, without ever holding him accountable. They moved him around six times. Disgusting never once restricted his ministry or removed him from ministry or sent him off for genuine psychiatric evaluation or care. Now, I read that to my wife last night, and the first thing out of her mouth was, or called the cops. Like, where are the cops? Why isn't the FBI investigating every diocese in the Catholic Church in the United States? Because clearly there's a fucking pedophile in each one of them. And the Catholic Church isn't doing anything to eradicate them or to hold them accountable criminally or otherwise. So what the hell is going on? And then you'll talk to me just the same way you'll talk to me about police. But they're a Christian institution and the Ten Commandments and they're for good and there's so many good priests. And I'll tell you the same thing I tell you about police. If they were good priests, then they would eradicate the bad, the bad, the bad priests. And the fact that they're not makes them bad priests. And I don't know how many other ways I can say that. I'm just going to sound like a broken record. But clearly, clearly there is something fundamentally wrong with the priesthood in the Catholic Church. And so... Um, you got to start taking away tax breaks. You got to start holding them criminally accountable because you already see that the populace is turning away from them. It's no coincidence that, you know, Pew put out research that Christianity is fast, fast disappearing in the United States, that people are more willing to say that they're agnostic or atheists or have no faith. And it's particularly pronounced two places in Catholics and no surprise in millennials, which is a bigger part of the fourth turning that you and I mm. uh, always talk about. Um, one, millennials just saying, fuck that bullshit because it's bullshit, right? And yep. two, and two, having the, having the self-confidence and the uh, awareness of the world to say that, right? Because if you had done this survey in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s, we didn't have that 
collective psyche to say to the person on the phone, I'm a fucking atheist, you know, I'm agnostic. I don't believe in God. It wasn't something you said, but now, now we're the people who, you know, you went to class for first Holy communion and you confessed your first sins to, and you, you know, you had a reconciliation and the priest told you to say 10 Hail Marys and then went home and fucked the 10 year old. It's like, fuck that guy and fuck that institution. Right. How can you, how can you trust them? And so I, I just, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, um, yeah. And then, so I bring it down to my own life as a non-practicing Catholic, as someone who, you know, bailed on the institution as soon as I wasn't under my parents' roof, right. Stop going to church. Um, Guilty. Yeah. And then I think about my own kids, right. Because, you know, you and I talked earlier, we got family in in your case, niece, in, in my case, uh, daughter getting ready to go to school and and what are the best schools man the best schools are catholic schools and so you think about that and it's like you know a i want to send my my kid to the best school but b i don't know if i can support that institution and if i do and these are the conversations that we're having in our household right now you know i'm gonna have to go to the principal of the school and say my daughter is never to be alone uh, with a priest at any time. And I have to think to myself that I'm not the only parent that that principal is going to have heard that from. You should not be. And that brings me to the other thing that I'm going to rant about. Um, the way police officers in this country assess a threat. So there was an incident in New Mexico where a veteran police officer pushed a sixth grade girl against the brick wall and shoved her to the ground and then just starts yelling, the officer, stop resisting. There's a video, there's body cam footage of this. Um, She wasn't resisting. She's crying and she's yelling, I'm not resisting. Get off of me, you're hurting me. And so a school official actually walks in on this and says, Officer Christensen, the officer's name is Zachary Christensen, says Officer Christensen, she is not a threat to yourself or others at this moment. You are not going to use excessive force to get this done. The officer responds, she is a threat and continued to press his forearm into the back of her neck. And so in the police report, the officer says (laughs) that the 11-year-old girl assaulted him on the way out. And that was the reason for the response. Luckily, in this case, there was body cam footage. Luckily, in this case, Internal Affairs investigated this and found it to be false. Um, This is a case that involves an 11-year-old girl, and you can see the body cam footage, I'll put a link up to it, that did nothing wrong other than, even by the officer's own uh, report, taking extra milk in the lunchroom being somewhat disruptive in the classroom a couple of days before and talking too much. And so oh, she stood up on the bus one time as well. And this is what the officer thought was the right course of action. Um, there has to be more accountability. There has to be more oversight. Again, I sound like you on this. I sound like a broken record. You know, we we started this by saying, you know, we keep talking about not all cops are bad and not all priests are rapists, but it's getting harder and harder to defend you fuckers. 
Again, I, you know, my town in Mexico, I've said this a million time. I'm, I'm, times, I'm thankful for the fact that there is law and order in this country. It's necessary. It's important. It's critical. But we can do a better job than this because this is just absolute bullshit. It keeps happening. Every week we're talking about, you know, a person of color or a low-income person, regardless of color, uh, getting killed in their home, uh, getting set up, getting drugs planted on them. There has to be more oversight and accountability. Um, and we've, we've, we've talked about this a hundred times, so I don't want to beat a dead horse, but uh, just be vigilant and get involved on a local level, everybody. And if it happens in your community, be out there and, 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 and demand accountability because this can't continue this way. We're doing our society a disservice. We're doing our students a disservice. We're doing the good police officers that do great work a disservice. Um, so yeah, I'll, be, that's I'll all beat I the horse. I'm, I'll beat the horse. Beat it. Have at it. Tag, sure. you're it. <laughs> Um, we talked about this thin blue line thing and, and I've written a bit about it, how, um, and, and we talked about it, I think on the podcast, how just last week I had seen somebody wearing a thin blue line hat and the thin blue line is like, um, it's a, it's a metaphor. It's a saying that's meant to mean, you know, all the police are united. We hold the, we hold snitches, get stitches. It's the police version of snitches, get stitches, right? It is the police version of of snitches, get stitches. And then. You read things um, as, you know, someone we work with, Mr. John Lutz, pointed out to me last week after he listened mm. to the podcast that the New York Police Department have been putting stickers on their patrol cars of a skull with a thin blue line on it. And so <laughs> if you're a public servant and, um, you know, police brutality and de-escalation and, quite frankly, um, just outright breaking the law, murdering people, as we saw in um, Fort Worth or, um, you know, the gun task force in Baltimore. You think there would be um, a little bit more awareness that says to you, hey, maybe we shouldn't be putting skulls with thin blue lines on our police cars, right? I mean, what message does that send? I'm going to kill you and no one is going to no one is going to come and help you because all my other cops got my back. Is that the message you're trying to send by putting the thin blue line skull stickers on your patrol car? Because to me, police are supposed to be friendly. And I think I've sung the song for you before, Gerardo, when I was little, <laughs> we used to sing, walk up to the kind police, man, the very first one you meet and simply say, I've lost my way. I cannot find my street. You can't go up. You can't go up to a car and 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 feel secure and want to talk to that person if there's a fucking skull sticker on the car. And so you can't do that. I mean, there's got to be just more awareness. And then I'll take it even further because I read a story out of the the wonderful, wonderful, upstanding Baltimore Police Department this week where. Um, they changed the policy about exploiting overtime. And miraculously, when they said <laughs> you, could, you couldn't be um, on part time because of a medical in- injury and still collect overtime, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Miraculously, nearly two dozen injured cops went back on the full time schedule. And so if you got dozens of cops that are you know, supposed to be the epitome of law-abiding citizens and upholding of standards, et cetera, but that are um, essentially committing fraud with their own payroll department in a taxpayer-funded department, then, you know, I mean, that's just, 
indicative of all the other things that, that that they're willing to do right that's like the opening of the floodgate well we'll cheat on our mm. pay and, and we'll get extra overtime and we'll protect everybody there and then you know whatever then we'll plant bb guns on black kids or whatever it is they think is fun and charge them with real felonies crazy man <laughs> as 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 mr edward snowden said on that joe rogan podcast that we'll put, put a link up to you can't ask people to wake up if they're pretending to be asleep and I have to believe that police departments, the Catholic Church, a lot of our staples in society and institutions that are supposed to be there for good are pretending to be asleep. And so, or or have some some leadership that is really down some rabbit hole stuff, right? Because like my wife was asking, like, why, why isn't the FBI investigating? Like, I mean, these are quote unquote like people high up in society, right? Bishops and archbishops of dioceses. And then I think about Peter Epstein and Bill Clinton and even Bill Gates last week, the New York Times was writing about had associated with him multiple times after he was a known um, juvenile sex trafficker. And it makes me wonder, like, you know, it just makes me wonder. Agreed. <laughs> I don't want to close this out on this note. So I want to talk about the eradication of polio type 3. And by I want to talk about the eradication of polio type 3, I mean, Mr. Hodge, would you share your insights about the eradication of polio type 3? So we've already eradicated, um, and this is what makes it so difficult, right? Because Bill Gates himself was almost single-handedly responsible for some of this, right? Um, um, we've eradicated, uh, I digress, we've eradicated polio 2, which is very positive just this week. Um, uh, the doctors announced that we have now eradicated the polio virus type three has been eradicated worldwide. And so, you know, we like to do um, feel good things and eradicating disease is a very good thing because it still kills disproportionately a lot of uh, people around the world that don't have access to the sort of first world health care that we have. And so, um, you know, the more diseases we can eradicate and the better we understand um, the biology of disease, um, the better off we are as a, as a species. And so it was good to see the um, eradication of polio virus type 3, what they call uh, WPV3, just four years after uh, polio virus type 2. And if I remember the article correctly, I believe there's only one strain left to uh, eradicate. So go humans and go science once again. Go humans, go science, go Bill and Melinda Gates, who who, who co-chaired that effort um, largely, largely. Um, and a great example of how you can use capitalism for good, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, give it back. What does it say here? I've already produced it. And, 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 and they pay dividends, right? Um, has already produced a savings of more than $27 billion in healthcare costs since 1988, just um, the reduction of, of um, uh, polio cases. So... Yeah, uh, kudos to Bill Gates in that respect, and many other people um, have, have, have announced that they're going to give away a lot of their net worth. Um, so good on good on them. I love it. Um, before we go, I'd love to get your take on the Fed meeting. Do we see another rate cut? And whether we get another rate cut or not, does it matter for the gold bull market that's coming? I don't think it matters i'm not sure we get one next week because i don't think the the fed wants to seem like it's kowtowing to the 
to the president, like the NBA kowtowed to, to China. And so I think there's a bit of uh, politics going on. And also the stock market is back to record highs, which um, may or may not have slipped past you there. And so um, not that the stock market is the economy. Of course, it's not. But it seems that the Fed likes to keep an eye on that. And so um, with earnings ongoing, I think they might want to wait until the next meeting to see um, how earnings shakes out, what the stock market does, and um, just what the climate generally looks like. I know that was probably a non-answer, but that's no, sort no, of my no, no. On you, it. You, that, that 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 was a great answer. Uh, you don't believe the, the the Fed will cut? I'll respectfully take the other side of that. I think. Um, you are absolutely correct in stating that, you know, the stock market, the major U.S. indices are at record highs. I think that will continue to be the case. But I do think the Fed cuts and not because of what's going on here so much, but because of the uncertainty around the world and the fact that capital is fleeing into the U.S. at, you know, a pretty uh, a pretty alarming rate. And it's mostly out of Europe and it's 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 really out of Germany. And I'm writing about that as we speak for Junior Mining Monthly. So I don't want to put too much out there, but I, I, I think there's moves that have to be made by the Fed to accommodate um, just the lack of growth and the recessionary and deflationary pressures out of Europe. So we'll see. I don't think we get an aggressive cut, but I do see another quarter point coming. To answer the second part of my own question, I don't believe it matters at the end. I think all the central banks are trapped. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think we're in for a, a raging bull market in 2020, which will even benefit some of my high risk, high reward so far, all high risk in the past couple of years, exploration stocks that I tend to gravitate towards. You don't like your debt to be higher than your GDP, Gerardo? <laughs> On margin with options? <laughs> with a credit Get card? Get long. That's it. That's it, Mr. Hodge. It's been a pleasure as always. Everybody, be kind, be nice, treat each other good, disagree with somebody respectfully. Do all that. It's good for you. This is episode 41 of Bizarro World. I am Gerardo Del Real. Say bye to them, Nick. Have a good birthday next week, Gerardo. Everybody write in and say happy birthday, Gerardo. I'll see you soon in New Orleans. The big 41. Doing 40s in style. <laughs> happy to be here. We'll see how long I last. Thanks, everybody. If you're in New Orleans, come say hi. See ya.